welcome to another C3 Church Rockingham podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au. I want to do part two from last Sunday night's message called The Game Changer Part Two. How creative, don't you think? The Game Changer Part Two. Actually, um, I do have a shorter kind of title to it, which is called Strong, Buoyant and Grounded, Strong Physically buoyant emotionally, grounded spiritually. Going to cover that a little bit and then jump into just emotional buoyancy. Is that okay? So kicking off as a reminder, last week we looked at Elijah's life and we looked at what happened to him on his day of breakdown, on a day where he was ready to end it all and ask God to take him out of the world and God rescued him. And he had to do three things, if you remember, get rid of fear, number one. And we realised out of that, at looking at that, that, you know, when when you're harbouring fear, when you are accommodating fear in your life, you actually disqualify yourself for battle. There are very few battles in life that you can take on while accommodating fear. We also looked at the reality, which is a hard thing to have a look at, that fear is not a disease, it's a decision. Fear is the decision to believe the enemy's lies or intimidation over the promises of God. And it's a difficult thing to actually deal with if you're in the middle of it. But the reality is when we have faith, we are saying, I'm believing the promise of God against this intimidating thing that's trying to hang around. Then we had a look at the fact that we do need to receive the fire. There is nothing like the Word of God preached with passion into a person's life to actually put fire back in our lives. We are not the kind of people that are supposed to be simmering through life. We're supposed to live on boiling point. There should be passion in everything that we do. Most of all, there should be passion in our worship. I don't think passion, um, I, I don't think worship should ever take place without passion flowing out of it. And it's not about noise. It's not about sound levels. It's about what's actually flowing out of here. I can be quiet and almost whispering, but flip, I'm passionate because I'm trying to keep it down. I'm trying to turn off the kids, um, but I don't want other people to know about it. You know what I mean? You can be passionate without there being noise. I could be like passionate. I want to tell my wife some stuff but I don't want others to hear. It's like, ah, oh, did you hear what happened? Like, oh, I don't know. Are you with me? It's something that's going on on the inside and I like coming into the presence of God with passion. How about you? I like coming around the Word with passion. Uh, if this was just another book, if the things we taught here was just another concept to deposit into people's lives, if it was just something to add to the information world that we're living in, forget it. I don't want to know about it. But, but this is truth right here. Scripture says in the Psalms that God's Word is forever settled in heaven, but it's actually our job to settle it here on earth. And then we, so we looked at the, the fact that we need to receive the fire. And, and, and when that fire comes into your life, it's designed to empower you. And the final thing we looked at is coming out of the wilderness. And even this morning, we looked at the reality that Elijah, when he obeyed God after that moment and went to the mountain of God, it's really interesting. He went to the mountain of God, but he went into a cave. And God never told him to go in the cave. And when he got there, God says, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be standing out here on the top of the mountain. And so it's possible for us to be in the presence of God, to be in church, to be in Bible study, but in a cave. 
We're withdrawn from people. We've gone into cold, dark places instead of actually facing that thing that's in front of us. Um, I think uh, Lans, when she just did transitions a few moments ago, talked about and prayed about the fact that sometimes you're going into places where you don't want to face people. There's social anxiety going on today. And what is that about? That's the enemy trying to rob you of valuable relationship. We were designed for relationship. On a side note, when we're focusing on our thinking here and we're doing a lot of teaching on um, how to change our way, uh, our way of thinking, how to develop a positive mental attitude, cognitive behaviour therapy, and some people, some Christians, I think, got oversaved. <coughs> they just want to make everything spiritual. I said it this morning, it's not my original thought, got it from somewhere else, but, you know, they, they, they don't even put doonas on their bed because the Holy Spirit is their comforter. <laughs> it's like they become so spiritually minded, they're no earthly good. Are you with me? Yeah. And so we cannot afford to not take advantage. We must take advantage of what's been made available to us, maybe not with its source of beginning in Christianity, but it's in science, it's in clinical studies. Is that okay? We are identified as homo sapiens, as humans. We are homo sapiens. You know what that means? Thinking beings. We are thinking beings. Unlike my dog that doesn't know how to think, he just goes on instinct. We are thinking beings. And I'd encourage us to be great thinkers as we get started tonight. You doing okay? Here we go. We're jumping in. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 from the Passion Translation says, Above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. That word heart there is literally the word soul. And your soul has three functions. It's your mind, your will and your emotions. Your mind where you do your thinking, your will where you do your choosing and your emotions where you do your feeling. With that thought in mind, I want to come to Matthew 22 and see what Jesus said in terms of our relationship with God. Uh, and this was not a suggestion. This was a command, a command that still rings true today. This is what it says. Jesus replied and said, you. Turn to your neighbour and say you. Turn to someone else, say you. Come on, interact with me, say you. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul and all your mind. You must love the Lord your God, don't worry about it, with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. It's interesting that Jesus focused on those three areas. The word heart there is the Greek word cardia, which is literally the centre and seat of spiritual life your physical body, cardia, where we get cardiology from, the physical heart. Actually, Jesus was saying, spiritual life is grounded in your physical body. And so with your heart, with your physical life, you must love God. 
Then the second word there is with all your soul. It's the original word psyche, where we get psychology from. It refers to feelings, desires and aversions. That's why my feelings, unless they are centred in God, are extremely unreliable. But when I have feelings that are centred in God because my thoughts are centred in God, I can trust and rely upon them. And then the final one there, with all your mind, the Greek word is dianoia, dianoia, which speaks of your way of thinking, your thoughts and your understanding. Again, Proverbs a number of times says to us, with all our getting, we should get understanding. So I'm praying that even on this short session tonight that we're going to deposit more understanding. I do believe those three areas call for us to be physically strong. I'm not talking about weights in the gym strong, but physically strong. And so I, I'm, 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 I've, I passionately go after sickness and disease. I hate sickness and disease. I, I'm, my heart's broken hearing stories like bells with mom and dad and sister because God never designed us for that stuff. And some of it's spiritual, a lot of it's physical, a lot of it's mental. In fact, I, I think the, f- the figures for psychosomatic sickness is well over 80% that it all starts within the mind, not within a disease or a genetic deal going on. And so when, when we talk about our faith, our faith must move from the temple to the table. It's got to move into the physical world. It's got to move into relationships. I mean, if your faith in Christ doesn't make life at home better for your kids and your wife, there's something wrong. You haven't got Jesus, you've got religion. If, if when we walk into the home as dads, all we can do is berate our kids and threaten to whack them, we are not in relationship, we're in religion. Are you with me? And so I think, you know, I want, I've always wanted my kids to follow strong in God and in faith and have their own relationship. And thank God, I'm just like the richest guy on earth. All my kids in church, all their kids in church, their spouses in church, in God. That's like the wealthiest person on the planet for me. But it hasn't come out of, uh, it hasn't been easy, but it's, it's come out of the reality of it's got to flow out of a relationship. We can't separate things. So it's got to start in the physical realm. Scripture says in Corinthians, first in the spiritual, uh, physical, and then in the spiritual. It's not the other way around. The Bible says, uh, the, the Bible commands us in those areas also to flee youthful lusts which is a really interesting one because really right there speaking about uh, sexual purity. And so what we do with our physical bodies will affect our spiritual life. It says sexual sin is the only sin that you'll commit that will actually have an effect upon your own body. Here's a thought, I'm not going to go there tonight, but sexual immorality has a huge impact upon your physical health. Yeah, that's an awkward one to cover sometimes, but anyway, there... So I want to look at the physical thing and, and with that, I think just throw that image back up again about happy hormones. Say with me, happy hormones. Can we have a look at that for a moment? Um, the, the, these chemicals that are in your body, your body produces over 2,000 chemicals. It's a chemistry factory. But these four chemicals, serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin and endorphins are the chemicals that make you happy. And the thing you've got to know is that I mentioned it this morning, I'll do it again tonight. Serotonin is the mood stabiliser. You know, 
Uh, unfortunately for my wife, or fortunately for me, I'm not sure, but in our relationship, I'm the emotional one. It's tend to be I'm the up and down one. And in the early years, it was just every now and then I was up and down. Over the last 10 years of menopause, it's been quite regular, up and down. But to come to the place where I've realised that what the doctors told me 10 years ago that I didn't want to listen to is actually one thing I had to nail in my own life and that is finding ways to naturally keep my serotonin levels at the right place. And when you discover as a result of that, that neurotransmitter that I need in my body, there's three things that I can do to keep it replenished on a regular basis and that's good food, exercise and sunlight. There's no other way to naturally reboot that in your life. Dopamine is the reward chemical. It's released during pleasurable situations. I think when you get that little red message on your phone, you know, that you've got a reply on a text message, they say that it releases dopamine because it's like it's a, it's a good experience. Sometimes you wonder why you kind of got to keep picking up your phone. It's actually because when someone replies, you think, they've added me on Facebook, I've made it. It's actually a reward and a chemical's released in your body. Oxytocin is the love hormone released during sex, childbirth and lactation. Mums, your bond with that child is not just natural, it's a chemical thing that God designed. I, I just love having a look at this stuff because how clever was God to cause all this stuff to kind of happen? The endorphin, it works as a painkiller. It's released after exercise. I was very surprised in the early days of trying to get into a place where I could enjoy exercise that I hated this PT guy that I was paying to get me fit. And all he did for 45 minutes was cause pain in my body. I'd look after him sometimes. I can't believe I'm paying you to put me into this pain. But 20 minutes after, half an hour, an hour after, all of a sudden you feel amazing because the endorphins that you created, that you harvest during that moment, were now going to pay off. In all that, I want to say that, you know, I would like to spend the next three hours talking to you about this stuff, but we don't have anywhere near that kind of time. Physically, God has called you to be strong. Your, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body is a dwelling place for God. It includes the purity issues that I mentioned, but it also includes like never... Never before, like never before, that whole saying, you are what you eat, is becoming a real deal. Look after your body. To be, to be emotionally buoyant, learn how to bounce back. Have you ever experienced a truly awful moment? Are you going to make your worst moment the defining moment for your life? Or are you going to bounce back? Successful people aren't defined by their avoidance of negative circumstances. Rather, they are revealed in their responses to whatever circumstances they face. Successful people make mistakes. Some of their boo-boos are really big ones. Sometimes uncontrollable life circumstances create potholes or even caverns of negative emotion. But ultimately, regardless of circumstances, mistakes and limitations, successful people are resilient. They bounce back. A quote from Julie Poland. Then finally, spiritually grounded. I, I just believe that we need to be the kind of people 
that understand how to remain grounded spiritually, not get oversaved. Don't become so spiritually minded that we're no earthly good, but let's be the kind of people that seek to be strong physically, buoyant emotionally and grounded spiritually. Proverbs 4.23, before I just give you four points to close with. This is how it reads from the message paraphrase. Keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid careless banter, white lies and gossip. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions. Watch your step and the road will stretch out smooth before you. Look neither right nor left. Leave evil in the dust. Here's one of the most empowering insights that you can have in concerning your emotional world. Every single person in the room tonight has at least four basic emotional needs. When one of these are removed from your life, it can cause your emotional world to fall like a deck of cards. Um, in the secular world, it is taught as becoming emotional, emotionally able, A-B-L-E. It's an acrostic so that it can help you to remember. The first basic need is autonomy, freedom. Freedom to choose, freedom to govern. The second one is belonging, that we were designed emotionally to belong. The third one is love. And most people put emphasis on the need to be loved, but actually psychology tells us today that more than the need to be loved, we need to love. That's why some people that can't do relationship with humans get a pet. It's true. Not all people that love pets <laughs> because they can't do it with humans, but that's where some people end up. And then finally, esteem a great sense of self-worth. I want to just go back and have a look at those things quickly and look at it through the lens of Christ because autonomy, if not understood from our faith, can actually trip us up. Most people want autonomy, but if it's not come through an understanding of Christ, it can just simply lead to another realm of rebellion. Because autonomy in God means we have the freedom to be Christ-like. In fact, freedom is the right to self-discipline. Freedom is the right to self-discipline. If you have a think about worship, worship is our highest call and all worship must be voluntary. Have you ever thought about that? That's why, if I can say it respectfully like this, that's why God gets off on worship. Because we are free to choose to worship or not to. So all worship is founded on this voluntary response from the worshipper. It's the foundation of our relationship with God. It's the one thing that sets up the rest of your spiritual life. That, that you have this life that has, you have decided to take the autonomy that has been given to you by Christ. It was for freedom that you were set free. But here's, here's the Game changer in that sense that God expects us to take the freedom that He's given to us and then come and lay it down at His feet in surrender and make Jesus Lord. 
Did you see the demon? It's like, so you go back into the Old Testament. Am I okay? Am I doing okay here? I feel like I'm connecting. I just want to make sure. If you go back into the Old Testament and study slaves, slaves had to serve for a period of time. Once their time was over, they were set free. They could go off and be their own free agent. But many of them chose to become bond servants, bond slaves. In other words, they've done their time, they've earned their freedom, but their master treated them so well that at the end of their time, they said, you know, we don't want to go off and be free. I want to become a bond servant. And I believe then they would come and get them and they'd stick their ear on a doorpost and they'd put a nail through the, to, to, to identify them yeah. as bond servants. In other words, I have been given my freedom, but I willingly and voluntarily give my freedom back to you because I realise serving you with the rest of my life will be better than me serving myself without you. It's a picture of Christ. It's a beautiful thing of the Gospel. So in the autonomy reality of what is our basic need emotionally, the most important thing that we can learn about that is we are supposed to leave autonomy with other people in, that we're in relationship with. I am the head of my home, but my wife still has her autonomy. I have the final say in my house. goes like this, yes, dear. With your children. Granted, when they're young and growing up in the home, it is, it is, um, it is, it is um, wise and prudent and I can't think of the word, it's just dropped out. It is good for you as a parent to keep control over them so they don't burn themselves, they don't run across the road, they don't do things that hurt themselves. But as a parent, as soon as you possibly can, you must relinquish freedom to them so they can begin to work with autonomy that God has given them. Let me say it to you this way. God gave you free choice. He gave you a free will. He's given you a free will. He keeps that free will with you. If God won't take control over you, why would you let anyone else or anything else control you? So one of the the first basic needs emotionally that we all have is this need to have freedom and autonomy, the right to self-govern, the right to choice. Crazy, huh? Second thing is belonging. I like to just call it relationship. But God designed us for relationship. God designed us to belong. Uh, Beyond Blue, the organisation for uh, mental health in Australia, has three things as its its logo. Can you remember? Act, belong, commit. They got it right. They got it right. It's interesting that when we get saved, God puts us in a family. It's interesting that when we get saved, He puts us in a community that we don't dwell on our own, that we're not, we're not islands in the stream. We're not one man bands. We, we need community. Actually, if you look at the house of God, it provides community, it provides relationship, it, can, it provides purpose. This is why the house, of, this is why just coming to church, just coming to church, take the spiritual side out of it, take the surrender to God out of it, just coming to church, people get addicted. People come for months and say, I just love this place. And they've never made a decision to follow Christ because they're getting so much out of the community over the sense of belonging out of relationship, which is a good thing, right? But actually God's called us to more than that. He's called us to eternal life and to develop a spiritual life that is pure, that is holy, that is God glorifying. Your your basic needs, number one, autonomy, number two, relationship or belonging. But then the third one, love. Receiving care and concern. 
is what love is, receiving care and concern. And it's not just for me to receive, but it's very much for us to give also. Now, in the area of relationship, I kind of jumped over this whole relationship. I looked at community, family and purpose, but there's another one in there called romance. And romance is, romantic relationships are common, but they're not for everyone, according to the Bible. In the Bible, there's, there's a group of people called eunuchs, people that will not need romantic relationship in this life. And I think that needs to be taught again because there is some kind of sense of thought in our culture that if you're not in a romantic relationship, something's wrong with you. But it's not what the Bible teaches at all. In fact, it kind of teaches the opposite. It kind of says, um, you know what, that marriage thing, it's going to cause some drama, so you're better off on your own over here. Now, for those people whose hearts just sunk and thought, oh, maybe God's made me a eunuch and I'm never going to have a romantic relationship. Listen, if you've got that desire, it's probably a good indicator that you're not a eunuch. Nonetheless, in between the time that you are in that place right now without romance and the time that it comes into your world, you're a complete, whole and full individual. Hello, somebody. You are valuable and you have a lot more time and a lot more money to yourself. <laughs> Love. Love is a need. Um, I'm embarrassed to say that during some of my most difficult times of mental illness, going home, falling on the floor and playing with my pathetic dash hound dog just did me so much good. Just the love from a canine kid. No, I will not repeat that. <laughs> Giving, love, care and concern is much more powerful than just receiving it. It's one of those things that replenishes you emotionally, keeps you buoyant emotionally. And then finally, esteem this sense of self-worth, this sense of high regard, of favour, of respect, of admiration. There's a scripture in Zechariah that just stuns me where the Lord says, when they touch you, they touch the apple of my eye. It's like, what? When they touch you, it's kind of almost like it needs to be done in another version from a mafia point of view. Right. Touching my family, you're in trouble. <laughs> but God says when they touch you, like think about that. You're touching the apple of my eye. The Bible says again in the Old Testament that God sings songs over you. In Ephesians 2 and verse 8, it says, you are His workmanship, His masterpiece, recreated anew in Christ Jesus. Quite frankly, because of my relationship with God, it doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks about me. The fact that I'm the apple of His eye, that I'm His masterpiece, recreated in Christ 
anew. It's like it's a solid peg in the ground of my soul of self-esteem. You cannot make the mistake of thinking that because God has called us to humility that we've got to think less of ourselves. We do not need to think less of ourselves. There was an argument, argument, or, or, mm, new, new word. There was an awkward moment a couple of weeks ago when my son got up to do that spot in the evening and he, he talked about having a healthy ego. I could feel it in the room when he first presented. They went, oh, he's off. But actually what he's trying to communicate is if you don't get that thing on lock in a healthy way, you are going to let your emotional tank get beat up and drained pretty quickly. And so humility does not require you to think less of yourself. It just requires you to think of yourself less, to think of others more. The confident, well-established individual is able to give compliments wherever they go. They're also able to receive them. And that is what God has called us to do. Can I encourage you this week to assess for yourself? Don't assess your spouse, your friend or your work colleague, but assess for yourself how emotionally able you are. Where's the autonomy at? Where's the sense of belonging at? I often get to have conversations with people about belonging. I I don't feel like I belong here. I don't feel like I belong there. And when you get into conversation, I haven't had a conversation yet with a person that's going through that where it's not been about the group. It's not been about the individual in the group. It's been about the individual I'm speaking to and something there in the past that has equaled rejection, abandonment or something else. And these things tend not to be so much spiritual, but emotional. And we can get empowered beyond that with understanding. Can I pray for you? Father, I want to thank you tonight that, oh God, we can be refreshed. We can have the tension removed from our lives by just coming into a place of understanding. God, thank you for giving us the sense of freedom and autonomy that we need. Thank you, God, that when we come to you, we we don't just come to a mountain that's larger than life and unable to be related to. We're not coming to a mountain of judgment and fire and earthquakes. But God, you said we come into a house, into a family. And we're now part of the family of God. Thank you, God, that love for us has been redefined away from the Hollywood craziness and the world's selfishness to this authentic thing that flows from you, that love is not something that you do, God, but love is who you are. And God, in our autonomy, you've given us the freedom to become more like you, to more like Christ, to love with sincerity, authenticity, with passion, with freedom. God, thank you most of all that you've established our minds in such a way that we can have a healthy self-esteem know what it is to be in high regard, have favour and respect, to be admired, not because of what we've done, because how you made us. In Jesus' Name. Amen. This is the end of the podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au or call us on 9524 5055.